What's up, bench warmers? Welcome into episode 91 of the Far End of the Bench podcast. Jimmy Plato and Nico Bryan. Happy Wednesday. We are coming straight after game one of the Western Conference final. We'll have plenty of discussion about that, but we also have to move back and cover the end of the semifinal games of the three semifinals that were still going on at the end of last week before we talk about the big games coming up uh, that are happening in the next couple of days. Be sure, before we get into everything, follow at FEOTB Pod, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Listen Wednesdays and Fridays during the playoffs, new episodes, two episodes a week going strong. We only have a few more weeks of that actually left. It's unfortunate, but uh, hopefully we get some good games out of it and we get a a good conference final and and finals going for both the NBA and the NHL um, and and everything like that. But Nico, so we we can be offside if we don't have control of the puck, but we have possession. But if we have possession and no control, then it's a penalty. Edmonton fans, for the once, for the one, only time this series, I'm gonna agree with you. I have no idea what the fuck's being called these days. Referees can do whatever the hell they want, and the points don't matter, right? Yeah. <laughs> they welcome, can do whatever. welcome to the National Hockey League, where everything's made up and the rules don't matter. Will matter. <laughs> What a uh, that was a marathon game. That was one that tested your blood pressure and uh, whether or not you were actually glued into your seat. This is the far end of the bench episode 91, the Kadri episode. If only it could have happened during last round when he went unconscious did, uh, did, yeah. Yeah, during game four. But Nick. Western Conference Final, we're we're coming off of game one. We're not going to start there, but just what a emotional roller coaster that last 60 minutes of hockey was. We we like this series is going to be so fucking drunk. It's it's hilarious. It's it, it's it's uh, so we're, so ridiculously funny. Yeah, we're going to keep the same energy as we had last last series because you realize last series we went from Oh my God, the Avalanche have the chance to close it out on home ice to, Oh my God, I can't believe they blew that shit to now we're recording this episode. And in that time they've come back, finished the series and now had just one of the wildest opening games of, of this round that I can remember for quite some time, but let's go back. Let's move, shift ourselves backward in time, back a week uh, before we do that at FEOTB pod, two episodes a week throughout the playoffs. We're coming up on the end of that. We're going to have to start to, going back to our segments while the NFL offseason rolls on, but uh, be sure to follow at FEOTB pod on all social media as well and subscribe to the YouTube channel. So Avalanche win the Western Conference semifinals over the Blues 4-2 in the series with the closeout game coming in game six on home ice. Billy Huso had his best game of the series and Darren Helm with 5.6 seconds left on the clock absolutely sends a rocket past everybody and the avalanche into the Western conference finals for the first time in 20 years. So just everybody was freaking out. This series is over. Blues got this. This is it. We're done. People forgot how good this team was. And I'm not going to name names, but someone on this show was, 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 was losing his mind after, after one loss when I knew what was at hand. There's only two of us here. That's all I'll say. Hey, hey it wasn't just I knew one exactly. loss. It was it how they had that it, one it, loss. It, it, I, I agree. I agree. It was a bad loss. It would have been yeah. nice. But it felt really fucking good doing what they, what they did in game six. Did it not? It felt fantastic. It felt doing good. And then it, it, it felt, felt even. Also, 
felt even awesome. better after Bennington's press conference too. Pat, Pat, Pat Riley said this, um, um, and, and, and uh, after the in the 2013 Miami Heat run, when they were beating the Chicago, or played the Chicago Bulls, and they were the, it was a series where everybody was just was just it was knockout punch after knockout punch. Everybody was just banging up one another, and it was just a hard fought game. They went into Chicago Game Six, whooped their ass by 30, and sealed the deal. You know what he said? Send their ass home while they already at home. You don't need to jump on a plane. Go drive your ass home and come back to the ring tomorrow. And pick up your shit because you ain't you, because because it don't matter. You ain't coming back here and figuring it out. So it, it was it was like I said, it was a fantastic game. I was in a bar in the fucking middle of Fort Worth, Texas, which apparently has a lot of blues fans for whatever reason. So um, I was losing my mind as that goal went in, but I I knew it's it's crazy that game. Everyone, we were like McKinnon has to has to do this. McCarr has on on last Friday's episode. Mac needs to do this. Kale needs to do this. Um, Darcy needs to have a game. The heroes of that game were Josh Manson. Well, obviously didn't have a great night tonight, but Josh Manson, uh, um, JT Comfort, and Darren Helm. Mm-hmm. Three names that are not known names around the public. What have I been saying? I don't know. We've been doing the show for almost two years now. What have I been saying every single time the NHL playoffs come around? The teams that have the best depth going forward and the best guy in back of net are usually the ones that hoist in the cup. And that, that's how it is. The, the hottest goaltender on the hottest, deepest team is usually the team that can, that, that lifts Lord Stanley. And what we saw from, from your third and fourth line in game six for the Avs against the Blues was as perfect as you could have asked. Yes, uh, JT Comfort on the verge of, I think, probably being a healthy scratch along with uh, we saw Nicholas Abe-Kubel not play in game one of the Western Conference Final. But up until that point, been he, he was just really underwhelming, I, I would say. He hadn't been bad. He's been good on defense the entire time. That's basically what JT Comfort is there for. But he turned himself into Gabe Landeskog Jr. in in that game six. It was just in front of the net. That uh, first shot that he had off the Manson rebound, I have no idea how he elevated the puck to that side from that angle, but it happened and it went in. And then just thinking about a guy like Darren Helm, and I I was listening to our friends uh, over at Teledabs it is, and they had a good – when Darren Helm was signed in the offseason, we're like, oh, I did not realize that he was actually playing in another season. He's he people for people who aren't hockey fans probably don't remember Darren Helm, but he was on that great last great dynasty in Detroit. The last few Detroit teams that actually made the playoffs and did anything. Darren Helm was a big part of that. Now, obviously a different role here with the avalanche being a fourth line guy, but the avalanche fourth line, honestly, in the last two games has probably been their best. You have the top guys and, and the top guys showed up a little bit more in, in the Western Conference Finals, but especially game six, Cogliano, O'Connor, Helm, um, JT Comfort, all those guys stepping up huge. And that was that was the difference. It ended up being the difference once they got that power play. And it, it kind of brings up the debate as to whether or not throwing it over the glass in your own zone should be a minor or that could be avoided. Obviously, it's not intentional. It wasn't necessarily to try and, and stop the momentum of the game, but it works out the way it works out. And the Avalanche take advantage and avoid overtime. Because honestly, if that game goes into overtime, I had a feeling that the Avalanche were going to be able to break through. But we saw in, in game five, overtime can change quickly. And just avoiding that, being able to score with 
that was the perfect way for the Avalanche to break that 20 year curse. There was no other way it could have happened. Yeah, it, it was perfect. Former Detroit Red Wing fucking did it for us. Uh, uh, not not too off topic, but I have to reiterate that the Red, the Red Wings Avs doc that comes out on ESPN, I think next week is going to be fucking nuts. But we'll talk about wait. that. We'll talk about that probably in the offseason. When, yeah. we time, when we have time, we'll be more in depth on that. I may do but, just a, a full exclusive video of a review of that, that documentary. So that's going to be absolutely it's gonna be nuts, but okay. Going back to Helm, like I said, you, like, you have to have those depth guys be there, be be the big time players. Because because look, when you go top line for top line, which they're gonna do a lot with, with what they did against St. Louis and what they a lot they they did tonight or on Monday night, sorry Tuesday night, whatever night it fucking is Tuesday night against against Edmonton is they're gonna match Mac with McDavid and and, and with the Blues it was Mac versus O'Reilly. You know that they're probably gonna even each other out. Both are gonna get theirs. What 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 third or fourth line is going to come up big for you? And, and it's the, the mastermind of Joe and, and and what he what he did to build his team. He saw last year what beat him. It was it was those back the back end guys not stepping the, the third and fourth lines not producing when the big guys were not on. And and this far in the playoffs, knocking on wood, it's been the exact same the exact thing Joe wanted to see when the top guys. Are, aren't going, aren't producing like they should be in series, what do you go to? You go to go to your third and fourth guys, the veteran guys who are looking to get a cup and, and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, when you have guys like that, especially a guy like Darren Helm, who's had the success in the past and wants to get back there, because this is the first time Darren Helm has been this deep into the playoffs in six years. It's been six years since Detroit has actually made the Stanley Cup playoffs. So he's fine. He's one of the people who's aware of how it feels to go deep into the playoffs. And he's also somebody who knows what it feels like to just not have that opportunity. And right now, this is the best opportunity. A lot of these guys, I think about another guy like Cagliano, who's on that same line. When, if he doesn't get it this year, when is Cagliano going to get another shot realistically? I mean, he had a, had one a couple of years ago with Dallas when they beat the Avalanche. And now after this season, is anybody like he's playing great in the playoffs, but is anybody going to realistically take a chance on a guy that's going to be 37 who who plays in a day and age where you have the McDusties and the McKinnons and, and just unreal skill that is all over the ice. Is Cagliano going to get another shot? And that's where we're relying on these guys, not necessarily – to be the best players on the ice, but to make sure the best players stay playing at a high level, because we saw it in, even in game one of the series that we're, we're going to get to in a little bit, Colorado's young players, they're really good. They have the tendency to fall asleep in the worst situations possible in their own end, trying to get the puck out. You, you sometimes fall asleep. Those helms, the Coglianos, those are the guys, EJ on the back end. If you want to throw a veteran presence in the back end as well, those are the guys that have to just keep these young kids focused. Like, hey, focus on the ice. Whether or not we have a five-goal lead or a two-goal lead against Edmonton, it might as well count for the same thing because Edmonton just knows how to score. So keeping the veteran presence around, that's what they're there for. They're also there to, to kind of throw – be physical. Darren Helm was playing very physical tonight. Cogliano, that was about as aggressive of a forecheck as I've seen from that fourth line. That was a total – shift from what the avalanche had done and it worked out perfectly they were getting turnovers in the neutral zone great end to that series and, and give the blues credit for what they were able to do and i, I think billy Huso, a guy that i was not I, I didn't give him the credit and you know he he didn't get the win but he should have got the win in game six that was 
they wait. They they should give turn around and just give him a whole bunch of stick taps because they wasted his best performance. No, I mean, look, he he showed why he was the top goalie all out throughout the regular season for St. Louis. Um, it, obviously losing Bennington hurt hurt their cup chances in my opinion because Billy Huso. Uh, I don't know if Bennington makes the saves he, Huso did, but I I know that Bennington does have the cup experience that Huso doesn't have, but Huso may eventually get there. Who knows? But like I said, look. What, what did I say when after, I think it was either game four or, or game three, um, after the Asian, you know, I said, the say Louis Blues, um, their goal was to beat the Colorado Avalanche. Colorado Avalanche goal this postseason is to win the Stanley Cup. And that's all it was. Like you said, you take care of business. To, like I said, it doesn't have to be pretty. doesn't matter what or doesn't matter when. It matters if. And that's exactly what they did. doesn't matter if it's at home. doesn't matter if it's on the road. That that skate to 16 W's gets gets a certain way and, and finishing on their home ice in front of those fans and did all that shit to Kadri was fucking bittersweet. And to send them home all all sad and all of them getting ready to go to go to watch uh Cardinals games and watch the guy they stole from us and they're going no one Arenado. The only saving grace that city has right now makes me feel a lot much better that their team's gone. And at least I, my team is as cups aspirations. Yeah, so to, to close that series out, the Avalanche with the 3-2 victory off the Darren Helm goal with 5.6 seconds left to win 4-2 in six games. Uh, another group, uh, another core group that's been around for a few years that hasn't accomplished the success that they probably have been expected to is the Edmonton Oilers. And going back to their series against Calgary, that was really a turning point just in that whole core's history as well because in the past – when that game, when game one happens, where Edmonton is down six nothing, gets it back to six six, then loses nine six. That's a game where the Oilers in the past would have just fallen apart afterwards. But they give them credit this year because they stuck to what they know they're good at, which is their top line being able to produce. And Calgary's quote unquote top line and Johnny Hockey and Kachuk had absolutely no answer and it was evident from game pretty much from game one on Calgary was just lucky to be able to hold on to that but there was no no answer in the back end for what Edmonton was bringing against the Calgary Flames and now we're sitting here talking about the Flames being out before the Western Conference final again and now we see McDavid, Dreisaitl and Kane get to a point in their careers where they've never been before so it's a kind of the similar narrative on both sides. Kane, there's there's only two guys, or maybe maybe there's a couple on the back end that I'm missing. There's Duncan only Keith. Well, there's only two guys with, with major um, playoff experience. Kane had that a few years back with with San Jose when they made it to West Coast Finals, and then obviously Duncan Keith when he was in, was in Chicago. Everyone else, for the most part, um, unless unless there's some guys that are on the back line that I'm not aware of that that, that don't have much experience, and that's you look at the Avs. All the Avs are almost the exact same way outside outside. Of Kofsky, who's left in the cup, and I can't. Darren I can't, Helms the only other one. Darren Helms the other, only other one. Like that's 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 where the experience level. It, it's almost a, a level playing field. Last series we were talking about, Avs got to get over the hump. Avs got to get over the hump. At this point, neither of these teams know better, right? <laughs> neither of these teams know better. It was evident. Like, Holy shit, one. we made it this far. Holy yeah. fuck, we defense doesn't matter in the West Coast Finals. Uh, that's exactly where both these teams are at. When you when you have the, one of the greatest skilled players in hockey history on one end, and you have possibly the greatest defenseman and, and, and 
and Ford want to punch in maybe the last 20 years and McKinnon and McCarr on the other end, it's going to be fireworks. It doesn't matter who's in that. It's literally like it could be Frankie, it could be Koskinen, it could be it could be uh, Mike Smith, or it could be Doris Kemper. All four of them are not going to be able to hold the other one accountable. That's the way it is. And it sucks that, that we're going to have games like this, like on Tuesday night, it'll be eight to six, but I'm expecting a lot more of that. I know it's not, I know it's not what we what we thought, not 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 what we thought for West Coast final game. But that's the fact of the matter is, is that both these teams are literally knockout artists. That's the best way to put it. Both these teams are literally knockout artists, and it's won't as one round one. Who's gonna go win round two? That's exactly what it is. The Avs threw a bunch of haymakers, the Oilers threw a bunch of haymakers, and it was just the Avs that ended up on top tonight. That's it. Yeah, you remember when we watched Shane Carwin and, and Brock Lesnar fight? You remember watching that fight and just going into it, it was basically touted as the same thing. Both guys could end it at any point, and you have in the first period, you think the fight is completely over, and it just turns out that the genetic freak on the other end is able to come back. That's kind of what I'm seeing there. The question that I wanted to ask before we move on from this Calgary and Edmonton series, what is Daryl Sutter doing sticking with Jacob Markstrom like that? I'd say you probably should have pulled him in game one, but then after, you know, games two and three, when he's given up nine goals over those two game stretches and gave up six in game one, why not try somebody new? It it couldn't have hurt anything. It wasn't like you were going to, I don't think Calgary had a shot to turn that thing around and actually push it, get a series win. They probably should have won game six. We could talk about the kicking motion if we we want to, but that's kind of old hat at this point, but for Daryl Sutter not to just go to a different goaltender at that point when he knows that his guy doesn't have it, it, it seems like maybe trying to be a little bit too much of the old school and, and not having the idea that I might have to adjust my strategy to try and get one, get another cup. He's done it before. I just, it was crazy to me that he, he didn't make some sort of adjustment. Well, yeah, his other cup run, he had Johnny Quick in there and he never had to make that adjustment at all. So let's, let's keep that very clear. It's not like he had to make a goalie adjustment when he goes to win a cups for the King. So that's, that's a little bit different story. But, 2012 but, quickie was different. Yeah, Quickie was a little bit different back in those days, but no. With, with Markstrom, Markstrom is 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 a younger younger guy that I think Calgary believes in, and I think and I, I, I don't know who the guy behind him was. I'm not. I can't think of the name on top of my head. But it's not like you're, look when you have a young goaltender, and, and New York is is the one outlier in this scenario where New York, um, when they went away from Shesterkin, they threw him out there every night. They did. They pulled him when it was needed, but they threw him out there every night because a younger goaltender is a guy that is a guy that you have to throw out there because if you trust him, you have to get, get, let him gain some trust. But if you're Calgary right now, Calgary is a team that is probably going to lose Johnny Hockey this summer. Kachuk is up for a, Duke, a big contract next season. This team is going to look a lot different. A team, a team that. Alberta is owned by the Edmonton Oilers right now. It's not even a question. Yes, this series is, is, is a predicament of it, but, man, there's right now Calgary is on the, the worst end of the stick because, look, your frame may be gone. Your, your championship frame may be gone. That took two or three years ago when, was beat, when we beat you in the first round, that was one of your best shots. You look at this year, you were the number two seed, um, um, only behind the Avs, and you almost lay a goose egg in the first round to a team that had a Jake Ottinger, a guy no one had heard of uh, before in the first in the first round against Dallas. And then you do this against or you do this against the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, the 
Oilers were a much a much far better talented team offensively, but you're you were the better overall team throughout the whole year and dominated them nearly all regular season long. This Calgary team is going to look much much different. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about them too, they have no defensive presence. I'd say they're only two. Decent defenseman would be Nikita Zadorov and Christopher Tanev, but you just watching Edmonton and Colorado play, and then watching Calgary play. The way the defense pinches in, and the forwards are able to move, maneuver themselves, get right back in position. Calgary doesn't have that. If you're able to get it past Calgary's forecheck, there is no defenseman pinching to try and keep it in the zone. It's going back the other way. And Markstrom, give him credit for how he battled Ottinger, who was having the series of his life in round one. But yeah, that was. To, to have a team that nearly got beat by a, a L.A. Kings team that was pretty much down and out in that first-round series, to have them come back and beat you in five after going seven in round one, that should be enough embarrassment. Like, <clears throat> Calgary's another one of those places, like just like Edmonton, they're going to be talking about this one for the entire offseason, and I wouldn't be surprised that there's huge wholesale changes at the top of the organization. And, and, and I'm and look, I'm still a firm believer that Marshall isn't that much worse than Mike Smith. It's not like Mike Smith. We saw it in game one against the Mike Smith is not no fucking stellar goaltender, okay? It's not like like he is on the end-all, be-all in that series and that they won because of him because that's not the case at all. It was because they, couldn't, they didn't have a line to match. It's literally that. They did not have a line to match. Match McDavid and Dry Saddle and Kane at all. No. Uh, the other uh, other side of things for that game, the the Coleman goal that was disallowed. What were you thinking when when that happened? To me, I could see it both ways. I could see that you might cons- construe that as a kicking motion. I could also see the argument that maybe he was trying to turn his skate and stop at some point. I obviously am not a world class ice skater, so I can't decide how difficult or easy that would be. But uh, what, what were your feelings on that? I guess my feelings were it's 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 very similar to to I'm I, I'm gonna tie this in with with the basketball talk here for for a second here. It's very similar to the goal to, to the three point basket that Miami got taken back from Struis. It's a play that if the referee makes the mistake, you have to let it go. In my opinion, like like that's that's a play that. Look, all goals are reviewable. But that's a play if it's if it's on uh, if it's on. Um, Un, un, unturnable, or what's the right word? Unreversible. Irreversible. Yeah, that's not irreversible. If, so, if a play is irreversible and you cannot clearly see a kicking motion, you go with the play that's called. You don't switch and switch it in that big of a scenario. Do I think Calgary, Calgary may push it to six? But Edmonton wins it in six. There's no doubt about that, in my opinion. But they may push it to six and they don't lose on home ice. But I, I like I said, that's, that's a play that. It's a play that, that, that if a referee makes a mistake, you, you go with the call it stands. They do that in football all the time. If, if a referee makes a shit call, they fucking stick with it if they can't fucking find something to overturn it. Why, why do we have to – why do we have to – if there was no significant reason by, or, or, or clear evidence that he fully kicked that shit in, then you don't overturn it, Right. Like you, that's just logical. That's just logical sensing, right? You go with the play that's called. You go with what 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 stands. You don't you don't you don't go back and say, well, (laughs) maybe it was a kicking motion. So let's let's not call it off. It's either yes or no. This ain't this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. This ain't no preseason shit back in juniors in Canada. This is this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you're gonna if you're gonna call a play on on the ice, you fucking stick by it. If there's not something irreversible. 
uh, irreversible evidence. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the officiating the entire playoffs has been spotty at best. Some there's <sighs> been a lot of soft, there's been a lot of soft calls. There's been a lot of calls that you think should be penalties that are just either missed or not called. Um, but that was one. I, I agree with you. If if you can't discern it, like just just as the offsides play for the Avalanche in round two, we, we don't even have to talk about the one from tonight. It didn't seem – it wasn't inconclusive that he was or wasn't offsides, and the call on the ice was a good goal. So that's what they stuck with. I was shocked that Toronto made the, those referees overturn their calls because if you – you'd think that the NHL wants to empower their referees on the ice as much as possible. I know they review every goal, same way they review every touchdown in the NFL, but it basically just cut the balls off of your officiating crew in that game just by going, yeah, no, I think you made a mistake – can you tell me where? No, I can't really tell you where, but I think you made a mistake. So go ahead and turn that around. It just, it, it totally tanked the momentum. But really, in reality, Calgary had just as much opportunity to win the game after that as Edmonton yeah. did. Connor McDavid gets the overtime winner, and we see him finally kind of come into his own and become McJesus in the playoffs that people have been waiting for. But you can't say Calgary can't say if that was allowed, the game is over because you had just as much opportunity there's, to win. Yeah, there's there's six and a half, seven minutes on the clock. It's not it's not like Calgary was was all out fucking dominating defensively. That that when what Edmonton would would have pulled the goalie, they would have for sure stopped them. Like it's it's not a guarantee on that note. So like I said, it is what it is. But Edmonton, I. Oh, I, I thought Calgary would win the series. I totally did. That's where that's where my money was at because I thought um, I, I I thought that at some point a team would be able to shut them down. And I, I believe Markstrom is still a better goaltender than Mike Smith, but that's just the, the greatness of number ninety-seven and twenty-nine just just came into play. And also Zach Hyman too. Zach Hyman extended oh. his playoff point streak. I think his playoff goal streak actually now to five games in a row. He had two. In that closeout game, in it was game five, five. And, close, and, and the closeout, and then obviously game one was the six, six straight goal, games of the goal, which so, is unheard of in the playoffs. He's a guy that stepped up along that back end when, on a team that doesn't really have much outside of their top three forwards. We were, we were mentioning, and uh, Zach Hyman was a, a big, big factor in that game five. And then Carolina and New York. Um, worst case scenario did happen for Carolina. Uh, we don't even have to talk about game six, six or seven. We can, or games five or six. We can just go to game seven. Worst case scenario happens. Anti Ranta goes down uh, midway through the second period at, at that point, and New York. The just game takes was advantage. over. Let's keep. Let's be honest. It was. It was. It was because it, it didn't is, matter. If you're a Kings fan, you're complaining about that losing that series. You got other problems on your hand, buddy. That's no, all I'll should, say. That's all I'll say. You should be complaining about the fact that your offense is so anemic that you couldn't take advantage of a, a rookie goaltender on the road. And yeah, you're, you were just, you can't give up that many penalties in a row, whether they should have been called or shouldn't have been called and expect to stay in the game. I think in the first two periods, there were four power play opportunities for New York and they converted on two of them. That's two goals that you could have easily avoided. And, and it, they just don't have the offense to come back from that on home ice. They were winning games by one goal in this series. And, that was that just wasn't going to do it. wasn't going to cut it that night. You play six games in total on the road in the playoffs. Two series that go to Game Seven. That you play Game Three and Four and and, and uh, who who do they beat in the first round? Um, 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 uh, uh, oh, Washington. Washington. You no, beat you beat you. Florida was Washington. Carolina was. 
Carolina was. I keep talking. I'll, I'll find. Uh, you lose game three or four. You lose game three or four. And you lose game Austin. six. Boston. Austin, that's right. You lose game three and four, and you lose game six on, on the road. Then you go in the same se- next series and do the exact same thing. What do you think was going to happen? You are winning each each home game by one goal because your crowd is nuts. The talent on the ice, we set up for the playoffs. I, I didn't believe in this team. You didn't believe in this team. And we both picked Boston to win that first series. It's the only resilience they had was winning at home. That's the only reason why they got to the second round or why they got to game seven. Like they're a very well, they're a very good coach team, but we both said they need Anderson back in net if they're going to win the series. Ronta was, they didn't have either of them at the end of game seven. And that was the, that's all be all you have to, if, you, if you're Carolina, you go right away and try to go pick up the phone, try to go with Johnny hockey. Mm-hmm. And, see, and see what the price is for that. You go out there trying to get a big name free agent um, and have him come join a young group that, that is hungry, that has a lot of talent on it, and you'll get your you get Freddie Anderson back in net for you, and then you're set up for a good future. But yeah. right now, there is nothing right now outside of Ajo and Slavin back there in the back end trying to produce for you because it is it is it is a it is a uh, who who who's going to who's going to score tonight type of thing, and, and that's not and it's a very surprising they they got this far with that very very surprising got this far with that it's because of New York's incompetence in my opinion of of winning road games too that that the, the series went to seven. New York falls asleep. They fell asleep against Pittsburgh in that first series. They don't fell asleep in this series, too. They said, oh, you know what? This team is way too good at home. We're just going to take those games off, basically is what they said. And then game seven, oh, we got to win more, so let's turn it on. It is the biggest on-off switch in hockey with the Rangers. And, and the Canes just literally, if you, there's never been a team that has ever made it to a Western or Eastern Conference Finals that has not won a home game. Or, not, sorry, not won a road game. Never, <laughs> never. <laughs> We're not even talking about the Stanley Cup final. We're talking about the conference finals. You don't, you can't get through two, two seven game series and just win home games and hope that ends up being well for you. That's just not going to happen. It's it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, you have you have guys that legitimately don't look like they want to be the go to guy. Aho, I watched the game last night between New York and Carolina. Ajo was not not fighting for pucks in the corner. Shvetsnikov had a goal, but really what's Shvetsnikov best known for? Getting knocked out by Ovi on that cup run that the Caps had in 2018. Other than that, Andre Shvetsnikov is not looked at as a true superstar threat. That's where, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Carolina is going to be in on all of the top forward free agent markets. That includes a guy like Nazem Kadri. That includes Johnny Hockey. That includes a lot of these guys that are running out of their contracts. If they could pair one of one of those one of Johnny Hockey and Kadri with, with a depth with a with a halfway depth forward, that team is a lot more dangerous than it is right now. Absolutely. Just think about the line with Shvetsnikov, Aho, and Kadri. Or Shvetsnikov, Aho, and Gaudreau. That that's a, an immediate jolt to your offense, and then you have the ability to also solidify your back end in front of what could be your superstar goaltender. I don't know if Freddie Anderson is a superstar goaltender. He's pretty good. He probably could have been in the Vesna conversation if he didn't get hurt towards the end of the season. But uh, there's like 
Rob Carolina's done a lot with the prime, so it's, yeah. yeah, they've done a lot with the little, absolutely. But they uh, they're gonna have to start restocking the cover at some point. And, ob- and obviously, and obviously, I don't know what the cap space looks like or what 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 what's going on with that thing. So obviously, we could be just spitting dumb shit here, and they have no cap space and they got trade pieces. But still, you gotta make something work out because the talent you have right now is good enough to win home ho- hockey games. But if you want to make your fans happy, keep this team the way it is and win home hockey games, but not make it to the next round of playoffs, I guess. No, no. It's uh there there's something different that needs to happen for Carolina. For New York, um I guess you're okay with what happened. I guess that you rely on the fact it really seems like we're talking about the same thing. We talked about it with Florida having the most come from behind wins in the regular season. At some point that's gonna catch up with you. Uh Carolina not being able to win games on the road. New York's kind of in that same boat. They had to win a few elimination games and Chesterkin after getting pulled in game one and two against Pittsburgh has actually solidified himself. And I don't think he gave up more than three goals except for one game since then. We just talked about the anemic offense that he was facing. Um, but Kreider played well. You have guys like Fox stepping up, playing well. Panarin's actually present in the series again. He didn't have a goal, but he was making his presence known on the forecheck. And guys like Lafreniere, there's a lot of talent in New York. New York is in this position. They're they're in this position because they're a good team, and they happen to hit on a a really good, solid young goaltender. So they might be setting themselves up for future success, success. But when I look at the New York Rangers and I look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, these are not the same. Andre Vasilevsky is not Igor Shosturkin. Uh, no, Igor Shosturkin is not Vasilevsky. A, I'm it saying is. Vasilevsky doesn't even need to be compared to Igor Shosturkin. There is no comparison. There. There's the, the, Igor is not in the same conversation. Maybe uh, now, right now, maybe he does eventually. We don't know, but right now he is not in the same conversation as number eighty-eight between the pipes from Tampa Bay. It, 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 look, there, there's a reason why I was, when I was texting during this game, I was like, "Man, we're so lucky that we don't have to uh, have home ice advantage." We, we, against Tampa Bay and uh, Tampa Bay, we won't have to beat Vasilevsky twice in a row. I said that. I was like, no, because it makes sense. You win one for game one at home, then then you can set yourself up to win the series in seven. That's yeah. that's how you look at it. When I see what New York does, Igor Shosturkin is a damn good goaltender. There's a reason why he's in, in the MVP, in the MVP uh, top three. There's a reason why that. But the motherfucker is an ego the size of fucking Texas and goalies have to have that but at some point if that if that gets in the way of the team and not producing if you let if he lets one in lets two in the game's over like I said last or last week they're in trouble that he lets one or two in they have to get almost nearly the first goal in every game Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the percentages are, but I know they scored first in game seven. I know that they scored first in game six, and they probably scored majority of their wins they've scored first. Because when they go down, Igor usually f- crumbles. Yeah. And you go down against Vasilevsky, you're done. That's lights. Yeah, you're that's lights done. Out. This series is done in four. That's the that's 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 the that's the nice way to put it. You 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 don't score the first goal in this Tampa Bay series, and you rely so heavily on your team scoring the first goal. You're done, absolutely done. There, like I said last week, there's not a more daunting presence than seeing than letting a goal in and having number eighty-eight down there stare you in the eyes, saying, "Yep, you fucked up." Yep, you fucked up. And, and, and knowing that he's probably maybe he maybe he, it's an off night. He lets one or two in, but there's no doubt his the guys in front of him will put one in to help him up to back him up. 
And right now, what the what the what what Breadman is not producing for them, and what Lafreniere has been hot and cold, and the Kreider and Cop and Capo Caco not doing shit for them, but Kreider been present. Like this, this 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 Rangers team, I'd be very surprised if 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 they if this series goes more than six more than five. I I yeah. think I think I think the Rangers get one. But, 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 but in my opinion, the Tampa Bay is a far superior team inside now. And look, my playoff predictions have been almost all shit so far outside of the abs. So I could be completely blowing bull crap. And, 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 uh, and Vasilevsky just, just forgets how to play hockey. But I'm dying on the hill that, that until, until proven otherwise, Vasilevsky cannot be stopped. Here's a little wrinkle I'll throw at you, and we'll we'll just transition into the preview of, of game one that's going to be happening tonight as you guys are listening to this episode. So be sure to check out that game if you have – there's no NBA Finals on, so be sure to, to check out that game if you're an Avalanche fan especially or an Edmonton Oilers fan. I guess we have to say both, so I don't jinx anything. But check out these two teams that you have the possibility of playing. New York is the home team. New York has home ice advantage. They are the, the higher seed. It's the 3-4 on the Eastern Conference side of the initial – Seating. So New York could, if they win game one, they could go into their, you know, they could follow the same pattern that Tampa Bay has been able to hold for the last couple couple seasons. I don't disagree with anything that you said. Tampa Bay right now shows me that they could probably sweep New York if they wanted to. What what they did to Florida, who was the regular season champions, that was just made them a little bitch. That's the, that's the nicest way of putting it. They said, I, you don't, you think, you think you run hockey in Florida? That's real cute. You know, that little president's trophy, you can stick that up, you know, where, because we, we want the real one. No one cares about that little shit trophy. Y'all can knock yourself out on that one. Because when it comes to big time hockey, there ain't no one better in the state of Florida that does it than Tampa Bay. No, that's, that's for sure. I think my, my key to this series is who's going to stay out of the penalty box. If, because, Kucherov, if he's on out there on a power play, he's scoring. There's not another outcome that happens if Tampa Bay gets up on a power play. Kucherov goes out there, he sits in the slot, he gets the one-timer slap shot, and everybody knows it's coming, nobody can stop it. So if, if New York gets into similar issues that they had against Pittsburgh and starts drawing penalties, spends a lot of their time in the box, Tampa could walk away with this thing. But then on the flip side, think back to round one, that's really what gave New York the life to fight back against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh was up two games in a closeout game and Rodriguez took a dumb penalty. New York went on, scored the power play goal and basically didn't give up control of the series after that. So if Tampa Bay gets stupid, some of the fatigue catches up with them. Cause remember they played like 60 more games than anybody else so far left in these playoffs. Cause none of these teams made it past rounds one or two last year. Mm-hmm. It could very well go that way. I'm that, I'm sticking with my prediction that Tampa. I didn't predict Tampa Bay was going to be here at this point. So I, I guess I'm going to flip my initial prediction, and I think Tampa Bay is going to get past New York. But hey, I picked New York at the beginning of the playoffs, and and there was a reason for that. I think they have they have a little bit of what I've seen so far that they can make this thing interesting if Tampa Bay doesn't have their best series. That's that's that the keyword you just said was there was it? It's, it hasn't happened yet. They haven't had a terrible series since they got swept in 2018. It's exactly it's kind of ridiculous the run that, that they've been on. That's how scary this is. <laughs> uh, now I, we're going to transition to uh, game one of the Western Conference Final that we're recording right after. Colorado gets the win eight six, um, and this one was just a back and forth slugfest the entire time. Three stars for tonight. Kale McCarr had three points, two assists, and a goal. 
JT Comfer, two goals. That's four goals in the last two games for JT Comfer. He's been huge on that fourth line for Colorado. And then Connor McDavid, a three-point night for him, two assists, a goal. Um, yeah, and those two assists that he had were absolutely beautiful plays. Like, everybody knew that they were coming, and Josh Manson just fucking fell asleep. That's that's all you can kind of talk about. But let's – we'll go period by period. First period starts off, and I think, that, honestly – if you're going to give the edge to anybody in the first five minutes, it goes to Edmonton. Evander Kane gets the early goal over Darcy Kemper. Let's just put it out there. Darcy Kemper probably lost his spot until proven otherwise because Francois came in and, and did what he needed to. But Darcy Kemper did not look good through the first period, gave up an easy one to Kane that you'd like to see him get a stop on or at least get an attempt on. Uh, but Colorado, after that, they kind of settled things down and you go into the end of period one with a 3-2 lead. That's all you could really ask for with how wild and crazy the, the exchanges were in that, that game. It was, it's not hard to figure out what Edmonton's going to do. If you ice the puck, they're going to throw McDavid and Dreisaitl out there and try to get them on, on your third and fourth line guys. That's all Woodcroft knows what to do. That, that's their entire that's, game that's, plan that's and strategy. Right game plan with the icing call thing. I want to, I want to talk about this, this Frankie uh, uh, Darcy, Darcy thing. The, the, the one thing I want to say about this is, the reason why I'm not sold on putting, keeping Frankie in that if Darcy's not fully if Darcy's fully healthy, is 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 the the factor in of uh, of Frankie has only played one and a half games in this in this playoffs right total. Mm-hmm. We're talking we're talking about two series, ten total games and he's played in two of them. That, that, and whether you like it or not, that fatigue goes into a goaltender's mind. It absolutely does. There's a reason why during a regular season game, the number one goaltender will play two or three in a row, and then the backup will play one. Two or three in a row, one backup will play one. That's just the way it goes. When you have, when you have a, when you have one goalie, ninety percent of the time, should, or ninety five percent of the playoff series and teams that have won the cup, one goalie is stuck throughout the whole series. If you're riding with Darcy and he's healthy, you ride with Darcy. There ain't no flip-flopping. This is what we said before the playoffs started. There ain't no flip-flopping. You either know he's the guy or he's not, right? Well, yeah. and, and, and if Darcy, I don't, we obviously don't know what the injury situation is. It was, it was a fluke, fluke play. I don't even know what it, what, what it, what it is. It's an upper body injury, but that's all we have. Um, so so that's, that's where this team is at. And, like, I – Okay, look, Frankie played good tonight. He did, but, but in my in my opinion, Darcy, Darcy and Frankie are both better than Mike Smith. Let's put that out there. So, so if you're gonna ride with Darcy and hope, because look, Darcy has a has a switch. I, I told you, Darcy has a switch. What he, he wants to be, find it, please. He has to find it. He has please. to find it. And, and the good thing is, he hasn't found it in this playoffs. He hasn't yet. That's that's a scary thing, Jimmy. Like like like, look, we can say Frankie this, Frankie that. Darcy has another flip switch to him that we don't we have never seen from Frankie. True. That's 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 the difference between we have ne- we always seen Darcy against the Abs with Minnesota. What was that? Fucking eight years Arizona. ago in twenty twelve. No 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 no. Twice he was a goaltender that that replaced that, that beat us from Minnesota. I didn't know about this until the other day when when, when we had Juan when we had Juan as a coach. He was a goalie that came in from Minnesota and beat us uh, um on in Game Seven on our home ice back in twenty fourteen, and then again in Arizona um two years ago in the bubble, whatever it was. He has another switch. We don't know. Frankie may have it, but we have not seen it yet. And if I want that switch to happen, I'm going to want that guy in net because I know, I know there's a crank to it. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying this is all to be heard if he's healthy. 
If he's healthy, that's why I'm saying you stick with him. I, there's yeah. no doubt in my There's a reason why we kept Frankie for this long and signed him to a backup goaltender deal in the offseason because he is a very, very solid number two. But in the in, in, when the lights are on right now, I know that Frankie can or Fra- I don't I don't know that Frankie can switch the, flip that switch like Darcy has has in the past. Yeah, I can. I'll give you that. We've seen it from Darcy, and we haven't seen it from Francis. I guess I'll I'll modify my statement and say Francis played well enough to earn the start in game two. He whether, did. He absolutely whether did. Kemper is fully healthy or not, I think Francis starts game two, and you see what's going to happen. But. In this series, if you have your goaltender that's not going to go out there at 100% health and not be able to hold up because both these teams are going to shoot 30-plus times a game. That's been their average, I think, for both of them is around 35. So if you got a guy that's laboring at any point, go with the backup, even if it's a little bit of of a drop in skill level because you're hoping that your team around him can help. So if Kemper has what he's – whatever he's having is nagging, we probably will see Francis game two, games two and three. And I would say by game four, we'll have a solidified position as to whether or not they're going back or if they're going to stick with Francis. If we're looking up and we're seeing the Avs up 2-1 going into game four and it's been more of a defensive struggle, I think Francis might have an option to opportunity to keep that spot. If, like you said, that's like, look, if, if, if these it's one game. Sorry, I can't talk for whatever reason. One game in between games, right? So, so you 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 put Frankie out there for game two. See what he has. If Frankie flips the switch, switch in game two and three, and maybe steals you one of those two. Like I said it's it's a seven game series. You want to you want to go in to game three or game four up two one. That's an important thing because because then game four is must win. And right now we don't want to look at that right now with Frankie in the net. So so if you go into game game four up two one. It, be lucky if you go up three one, uh, or three zero three up three zero. Then you have you stick with them, in my opinion. If the, if 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 come what is it Tuesday Thursday Sunday, if come next Tuesday a week from now that that Darcy's fully healthy and you're down two one, you throw Darcy back in the net. Definitely. That's a, that's that's in my opinion. You give him a week off. Quote unquote week off, or, or or at least a at least at least half a week off, and game three if, if Frankie doesn't play the way he should and does and doesn't have a good performance, he he may if, if we lose the game two, it's not guaranteed he should be thrown out there in game three. If he has a terrible performance, you go with Darcy. But if he has a good performance, you throw him out there for game three and then reassess to come game four, um, depending on the situation. Yeah, I think we know we all know what the change is going to be going into game two. It has to be the change. Jack Johnson cannot be on a defensive pairing. I don't know who you're going to fill that spot with. Uh, because... McDermott, we shit on Murray for, for, for fucking so long. Let me throw in another scenario. I can't. It was either, I think it was, uh, it was either St. Louis or it might have been Washington that did this. You run five defensemen and have a have a defensive forward out there, where where, where your five defensemen are in, interchangeable. That look, that's a lot of minutes for for Kale, Bo, um, EJ, and uh, uh, Manson. Uh, Manson, and who's the last? Oh, and Tays. It's mm-hmm. a lot of minutes for those five, but you trust all, all four of those guys. And Manson is the wild card in the scenario. You trust all four of those guys. You I, throw. Yeah. You throw a guy like Albe Kubel out there that, that, that is a good defensive forward who won't get you many goals, but you throw him into the lineup where, worst-case scenario, he's playing that backline role. Role. Look, he hasn't done it much in his career, but it's a, it's a forward that you know um, can, can can go back, and if, if your defense 
if, if, if your defense is getting tired, you can you can run him back there and hope that he recovers well for, for the other guy to be out there. Then you do that. It, it's very rare it happens. But it's a weird world we're in where you may have to run five defensemen. Because like I said, it's not – we're in a, we're a point where it's not cute anymore. It, it's who you trust. It's who you trust. And Kale and Kale and Bo and EJ and Devontae are going to be playing close to 25, 30 minutes a game. Let's put it that way. Close to half of the game, those four should be playing each, each of those minutes. Manson, you can throw into there here and there. That's what I'm saying. You run that five defensive line, and look, they're going to get tired. But at some point, you got, you're you all in. And what the performance we saw tonight, I, I, I told you, I texted you, I was like, this. I've never seen a playoff game where every goal seems like, every shot seems like it's going to go in. Both ends of the ice. I'm like, oh, it fuck, was... that didn't go in? No, fuck, that didn't go in. It, it was literally that bad. And and, and, and you look at what – the, the thing that got to me on tonight was the fucking net presence uh, uh, in front of the net of the Avs defense. It was it was a it was a fucking shit show. Whoever was whoever was the guy blocking – not blocking the net, but the guy that was defending the guy blocking that for Edmonton, he just fell asleep more times than he count. And that's, a, and that's a thing that can be easily changed. It's yeah. a wake-up call that, that Bednar or not even Bednar or Mac or Landy are going to come in there and be like, boys, back end, you always know where someone is on the crease. You always do. That's the same thing on the cross. I played for so long. If you're a crease defender, you have one – you have one. You, know, you have a hand, you have your stick touching him, you have something so you know where he's at at all times because the half second you lose him and the talent that Edmonton has will cost you a goal in this series. You, you almost can't watch the puck. You almost have to go straight man-on-man man and just stay in front of somebody as much as you can because Edmonton, they're they're kind of banking on you to overcommit to their big three. They want you to overcommit to 29 or 97, and then somebody else is just going to come streaking up the slot and be free. But it's uh, I think you got to continue the offensive net presence that they had because the avalanche were in front of Mike Smith and Koskinen the entire time. That way you can just kind of throw pucks on net. And we Koskinen had two times where he almost joined the, I let a goal in from 138 feet away club. There's a couple, couple goals that almost went in just on little dump offs from the avalanche at the red line. And, and yeah, on defense, I'm, I'm not going to – I think Manson had a couple plays where it was definitely on him. I'm going to say if Manson is playing with a defenseman that can just hold down his side of the ice, he's not a minus four. He that's, he was literally just trying to to cover for Jack Johnson, and Jack Johnson was so far out of position that Josh Manson ended up with a minus four and Jack Johnson was only a minus one. He was just not involved in the scoring plays. The, the scorekeepers were like, yep, number three is not even out there for for Colorado. He might as well might as well just be on the bench the entire time. And this is a scenario where, where Bedsy is going to go into the book and be like, man, we got to switch these pairings up. You leave the top two, obviously. But Bo Byram at this point in his career, look, what he's done in the playoffs so far has been incredible, especially last series. You you can almost trust him now to be out there with Manson. That's mm-hmm. wild to think about. You you throw the Johnson and Johnson. That becomes a dynamic pairing. Manson it, and it, Byram is a dynamic pairing. It, it, it's, it's a couple of guys that, that are quick and, and one one to have. Nasty guy Manson that I think the pairing go with. Look, look, if you want to run six guys, I don't trust Murray out there. Dermot cannot keep up with these fuckers. So, so Jack Johnson is the only guy that's left, unfortunately, on your roster to keep up with these guys. Unless you want to actually, no, you can't call up Justin Barron from the Eagles, but that that's that's should not be out of the that should be not be even discussed at all. 
But you throw Jack Johnson out there, you put him on a line with EJ, where EJ can command him a lot better. Yes, EJ had a couple bad games against St. Louis, but that's he that's what trust he has. He was, was fucking. He was that dude. He, he was perfect tonight. You throw him out there with Johnson, that calms him down so so much, so much. And and I and I would like, I think that's the expectation what he's going to do. So I don't think he wants to go down to five. I don't think he wants to run Kale and, and Taze into the fucking dirt this this far yet. Maybe you do that when you get to the Cup final, but not yet. Right now you can coast through until you get to the Cup final to do that. But I think that's where you're at with these defensive pairings because look, you're not breaking up Taze and Car. That's not that's not ever going to be a question because of how dynamic those two those two dudes are together. But putting EJ with Jack Johnson back there, I think will be the perfect scenario. And let and look, we trust Bo at this point. You do. You absolutely yeah. trust Bo at this point. Let Bo get some time with Manson and see what they do on that th- second or third pairing. Yeah, this is this has been the best playoffs, best kind of sequence of Avalanche hockey that we've seen Bo Byron play since he came Absolutely. in with all of the hype out of the World Junior Tournament. And also Alex Newhook. Newhook had a great presence oh, yeah. on that third third line. It was great to see. I, I think Abe Kubel had games against St. Louis where you can justify keeping him in, in the lineup. But then towards the end of that series, having Burakovsky and Newhook is just different because Burakovsky is – he. He's had the best zone entries of anybody outside of people named Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, and yeah, Newhook, it, Newhook and Comfort are pests on the forecheck. They just keep the puck in the offensive zone. Um, there's a lot right now. Honestly, if the Avalanche keep the game five on five and continue to let Edmonton jump out of their skates to, to try and throw these body checks, openings are going to be there. And just throw pucks on both goaltenders. Koskinen, he had a lot better of a game than Mike Smith did. But Koskinen is not that is not an upgrade over Mike Smith. It's not even they're pretty much the same level, and both of their levels are way lower than anything that should be able to beat the Avalanche for four games. That's that's the silver lining that I come back to. No how no matter how bad Colorado might look at times during the games, no matter how much they fall asleep, Edmonton does not have the goaltending or the blue line that should be able to shut down this this Colorado Avalanche team for four games in a series. That's just that's what it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like you said, there, there, and it wasn't all on Mike Smith tonight. He got fucking put on an island more times than I can count. And the that's Avalanche that, had 30 shots through two periods, like, like he was literally put out there to dry. Yes. That's that's the fact of the matter is Mike Smith was put out there to dry, <laughs> and, and it was almost a mercy of, of look, you, it's just not your fucking night. Like, we, we have to go somewhere else. That's literally what the pulling of the glory was because it's yeah. not like he was terrible tonight. He just – everything was just fucking firing at him, and there's not much else he could do. Oh, dude, so, Duncan so, Keith is a liability on the blue line right now. He's absolutely a liability. And Tyson Berry is long past overdue. Look, I, I have nothing but love for Tyson Berry, but I'm sorry you're just the next former house player to be cut down in the playoffs. Yeah. That's, just, that's just the fact of the matter it is. What it about – Bouchard jumping on top of Koskinen on one one play. He like literally jumped on Koskinen's back. I think it was on the Kadri goal that he scored to make it uh, seven seven four, and the defenseman was sprawled out on top of the goaltender. That's how shitty the Edmonton defense was tonight. It's uh, they, like I said, it's 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 look. You can you can you can look. You can argue that Edmonton's top line is better because right now it probably is. But the depth of the abs and the defense is just so, so far superior. It's not even close. The one the one scenario in all this is the reasoning behind what's going behind what's going on in front of the net. That's 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 the way you see it. The, the defense of the abs did not show up tonight at all, and you still come out with a win. 
Absolutely come out with a win. You have Kale making plays like he should. That fucking goal at the end of the first period was, like I said, I had never seen anything like that. I, I when I saw Talk that right away, big, big brain moves. So I, when I saw that, I don't even know if he did that on purpose. Let's be honest here, because because you, you watch the replay and he, you're like, how the hell is this not offsides? I, I'm serious. I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, this is getting called back. And this is sitting as a true house fan. I'm watching this. I, like I, I have never. And, and all of my years watching hockey, ever seen that rule in place where the guy didn't touch the puck, at, like for that little split second of of of, of uh, uh, what was it, Chushkin? Yeah, yeah. Chushu train made it past the blue. I've never seen that in the world of hockey where the guy did not carry the puck over. He let it slide, and the guy made it back in time. Never. That's yeah. why. I, that's why I was like, that's a fucking rule. I thought. I thought his kill possessed the puck. He had possession of the puck. There was no doubt he did not have possession of the puck. He just didn't touch it for literally two seconds. Yeah. And, and Truskin was able Val, Val was able to get back in time. I was for sure thought that was that was that was an offside. I was like, there's no way they call us back. They, call, they they let this slide. And then the replay replay officials came came in and said, Yeah, this is absolutely a goal, guys. And everyone was like, Wait, you said what? He was like, Yeah, Kale didn't touch the puck. Until until he got over the line, I was like, "Holy fuck, you could do that!" Literally, that was my reaction. I was like, "That's a rule." So, uh, it, it, it's 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 such a weird rule, but man, it worked out perfectly. Yes, it, it worked I'm, out. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> no, and uh, it gave a good opportunity to because Edmonton. I don't have any malice towards Edmonton the way that I do against St. Louis, but. The way that Edmonton's fans were whining after that, it made it a little bit easier to just want to pound them into submission. Plus, you know, Vander Kane, I texted you. I hate Vander Kane with all my heart. He's my least favorite player. He must have had the over because he got the first goal of the game. But we all know that he shapes points when when necessary. So Vander Kane is just not my favorite person. That's the punching bag of the series. It it was Dutchie. And or no, it, yeah, it was Dutchy. Yeah, it, 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 it was Dutchy, and and then it was uh, Bennington, and now we have our next next victim in uh in Evander Kane. So yeah, I just hope he doesn't score again in the series because that did not look good for me when he he will. He came I mean, out. Yeah, the the the, the ride he's on right now is unreal. I'll say that. I'm saying he's probably betting on his team instead of against them now, and that's why he's doing so good. Maybe he and Calvin Ridley can exchange notes on how you should bet while you're a professional athlete. Uh, guys that I want to kind of put out there, it would be nice to see Val get his offense going again. He hasn't scored since game one of, of the first series against Nashville, but then seeing Miko Rantanen finally, finally break through with a goaltender in net. And he's had good looks since round one where he was basically non-existent. And now we're starting to see if they do go to that five defensemen and add an extra forward in honestly Miko could be a guy that you rotate going into that defensive position because that's the position he plays on the power play he's at least familiar with that space of the ice a little bit I know that he's a dynamic winger and you don't want to give up that but if you do if, if you try something different for your defense and it doesn't end up working you have a little bit of something to fall back on. It'll at least be, if nothing else, same thing when he would put Francis in the game and he's the opposite hand goaltender. It's just something different to look at. It might not be per- perfect. It might not be pretty. He might be skating, facing the puck instead of back skating like defensemen normally do, but he's another guy that can make an even bigger impact on this series and a bigger impact on this playoff run for a guy that 
was expected to do a lot and hasn't really done it because it was great to see him finally break through, but he's still got to produce more for this Avalanche team to win and, and move on. Oh, he absolutely does. Uh, my One of my X factors, and in my opinion, a guy that, that is pretty quiet too is Lekkanen. Artur Lekkanen, a guy that has had that experience last year. I, I am very, very excited to see what he does because um, he, he is the best. He is, in my opinion, he's the guy that has the best forecheck on this Avs team. Um, we saw it all season long from him. So that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to most. Uh, and, and look, right now, Kale McCarr is it's his consummate to lose. That's that's the best way to put it. He he right now is is a man that that is just out here just just doing literally putting up numbers that forwards the top fours in the league aren't. Mm-hmm. That's the it's 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 he's that unbelievable right now. Like 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 Gretzky said it best. I, I he was either after game six or it was it was before game one. He's doing things no one in, in since Paul Coffey, a Hall of Famer, has done from the from the blue line in the history of hockey. Yeah. Like like it, it is it, the way he captains the, this back line just fits so so perfectly. And I am like I said, he he is the X factor in my opinion because you know McDavid and Matt McKinnon are going to trade blows with one another. Mac will get his, and so will McJesus. But right now, if Kale is the guy that you're like. Okay, well, we have Landy and we have Ranson into match drive saddle. I'm the X factor. I'm the guy that makes this team better than the guys over there in the different colored jerseys. So if you're Kim McCarr, you continue doing what you're doing. This team is going to be hosting Game One of the Stanley Cup play, Stanley Cup Final on your on your home ice. Yeah, and I tweeted it out too. When's the last time you've seen a center not be able to keep up with a defenseman? Kale McCarr went around the net and lost McDavid. That's that's how fast he is. His 200-foot game is very reminiscent of a guy like Bobby Orr. He's not at that level of prestige yet, but Bobby Orr, long time considered the greatest defenseman, especially the guy that can push offense and the iconic picture of him scoring the cup clincher and jumping across the entire crease. And I don't like to talk good about Boston sports, but Bobby Orr is something different. He's He could be that level. A lot of people – I listen to 104.3 here on, on the local station a lot. They really like to bring him back to the Raymond Borks of the world. Just a heat seeker of a shot from the blue line, but he can also make plays in other areas. And he doesn't give up defense for offense. That's been a big question for a lot of these defensive, offensive defensemen that have been coming into the league. But we've seen it when you don't give up the defensive end and now you can attack on the offense – that's what makes you a, a difference maker at this level. And that's what Kale McCarr is. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be live tweeting again, game two on Thursday night. And then we'll be recording for Friday's episode right after Thursday's game. So we will know the outcome of that one, but that was, it's at least a win. We were at least talking about the avalanche defending their home ice and whether or not they win or lose in game two, they've done what they needed to do. And, and now you just got to, you're focused now. Your next hurdle, obviously take care of business game two, but your next hurdle is to get either game three or game four, get a win in Edmonton and come back uh, to Ball Arena in game five with a series lead. That's all you got to hope for. Exactly. Like you said, like I said, Edmonton is still trying to get their job done. They're trying to gain home ice advantage for themselves. You go out game two, take care of business, and you're in, you're in the driver's seat, right? Then yeah. you only need to win one in Edmonton, right? You lose both, you're, you're fine. You still have two at home at the least. 
Yeah. At the least. So, so, so um, like I said, take care of business game two. Um, um, I'm not going to say the world is, is, is burning down because we lose game two because I know how good Edmonton is. This is the Western Conference Finals. This ain't, this ain't no just – Power puff football, uh, um, random game against a scrub team. This is this is a, a very good team with the best player in hockey on it. So it's not it's going to be a test, but you gotta have the guys, and I and prefer not another eight to six game. Yes, <laughs> I, I understand playoffs is going to be is going is, is going to be stressful. West Coast Finals is going to be stressful. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat watching games, but please just don't make me have to watch a game that where I, every shot seems like it's going to go in. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't need a defensive football <laughs> score to be the the final score of a game much much more than this. baseball take, score. Basically, I'll, a baseball score. I'll take 14 goals in one game, but I don't want to see that happen again Everything. unless it's the Avalanche winning the game 14 nothing. That's the only other time that I'll accept 14 goals in another another game this uh, this round. Uh, let's go from the ice to the hardwood because we have the NBA Finals set. As uh, people are listening to this, Game 1 will be taking place the following day, but we got to go back to the end of the Eastern Conference Finals. You were in you were in Texas when the Mavericks were eliminated. Was there any sense around the city that Dallas had a shot, or were they all just basically happy to be there and let's hope we can get one win at home and that's it? And look, I, I got I – got- to to uh, Dallas on Thursday. Once the watch party at the Mavs Arena, which is which is weird because there was nothing going on. I was watching on a big screen, but still, I it, 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 they they knew what was going to happen. I, I was talking with my Uber driver on the way home, and, and the guy was telling me he was like, "Yeah, we all know what Golden State is. <laughs> we it, it, we we all just wanted to have some respect and win one game. That's exactly what the Nuggets did. Think about this: the the, the Western Conference Finals, the Luka Doncic led team." Got to West Coast Finals and and only got one game off the guys. He got the same amount as the Denver Nuggets did, so that makes us feel good about our situation. But but going back with the series and, and I, Steph Curry is is he wins this year, wins and he brings in a Finals MVP trophy. There he is in a conversation for the greatest point guard of all time. Yep, it's it's it, it's a it's a conversation that isn't tossed around lately. He's already the greatest shooter of all time, but he he adds a he adds a fourth ring to 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 his hand, possibly a fifth or sixth the next couple of years. He he's above magic, and and that's some high high praise. Don't take this lightly when you're hearing this. High high praise because a guy literally is is the most unguardable human being to ever pick up a basketball. Ever, it doesn't. You, I compare him to Jordan. I compare him to LeBron. He is the most unguardable in the in off the off or off ball score in NBA history, and maybe even with the ball in his hand, score in NBA history. The guy can do everything with what he can, and and what he what they're getting production wise from from I've said this past two weeks. What they're getting production wise from Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney cannot be without said. Andrew Wiggins earned himself a fat contract this offseason. He's going to sign somewhere and get himself paid. And they this is a team that does not have uh, that, that has Jordan Poole on a rookie deal still. That has a number two overall pick, James Wiseman, who is who was a baller at Memphis, um, um, in college for Memphis. And he hasn't even played a full healthy season yet. This team is still sticking around. It's a retool and regenerate. And, and look, there's a reason why everyone said, well, Golden State is not – Golden State may be done. Well, they weren't healthy. Look what happens when they're healthy. They're the most unstoppable team in, in, in basketball. Six 
of the last eight NBA finals have included this team. Six. And look, we talk about LeBron going to eight straight finals being nuts. This team going to three out of three fourths of, of, of the last eight NBA finals is, is without being said, like that, that is just insane. It's insane. The, it's the New England Patriots of the NBA. Whether or not they're winning it all the time, they're always in the conversation when they're healthy. There's outlier years. And the other scary part about this team, too, is in that series clinching win over Dallas. That was the first Clay Thompson game Clay Thompson has had since he got injured the first time. Now, if he's if he's back and he's hot, we get the Splash Brothers again, a vintage Splash Brothers sighting. It might actually end up being fun. That's that's honestly the only way that I'm actually enjoying these NBA playoffs is it is kind of fun. Now it's the spunky warriors. It's like the can the Splash Brothers get back there? Draymond Green has great beard, gray hairs in his beard. Like this isn't the dynasty and this isn't the Kevin Durant evil empire golden state warriors it's kind of the the ragtag golden state warriors and they have every chance right now to beat boston boston is probably their toughest matchup uh just just kind of lineup and roster wise but this is this golden state team is something special and we should have known it after watching them in the first round against the, the nuggets we we kind of we probably put a little bit too much credit about the injuries for denver but yeah, this Golden State team is – they are where they are because of the, the culture and, and the shark tooth team that they are. Absolute shark tooth. That's how one guy is not playing up to a standard. Oh, let's just go to the other two. That's um, that's that's just scary. Yeah. And basketball is the one sport that, that is – yeah, is the one sport where you can confidently say if your star player isn't playing, it go, if both teams' star player isn't playing, well, it goes to the team with the next best player. That's plain and simple. When it comes to playoffs, you, you can talk about any – you go back to any playoff series in the history of the game. If one guy – if the two top guys are about even with one another, stats-wise and points and game-wise of, of how they're producing, it's it's who's who's behind them. And that's exact. It, it never goes to the better team. It always goes to the team that has the next guy be the, that is the guy in the series. And you won't say always has that for whatever reason because Clay is different. And look, Clay Thompson is a guy that maybe he's a system guy. Maybe he's this good because he plays with Clay with Steph Curry. But we'll never know because those two will never leave each other's side. They will be the greatest one-two punch in the backcourt in NBA history, and it's not even going to be a question. Yeah. Talk about a situation. It's different. It's similar, but it's different from Pippen and Jordan because I think Pippen always wanted to try and go off and prove that he was himself without help. And Clay and Steph are both like they have the total uh, San Francisco Bay Area mentality. Like, man, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I already got three. Who really cares at this point? Yeah, Steph is out there grabbing golf clubs and 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 uh, and, uh, Golden State ahead of game ahead of game one two days before. He he was caught on radio getting his golf clubs gripped correctly. And two days before game one. This isn't a guy that season's over, by the way. Yeah, two (laughs) games before game one where the other two teams still left in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Final are absolutely killing each other, just donking each other back and forth. Not in in the sense of they're beating each other up. Just literally one team decides not to show up every other night. Yes, it was back and forth, and the Celtics do finally break through, win game seven in Miami. Jimmy Butler – now, a couple disappointing playoff 
playoff runs back to back, losing it, getting Jimmy, swept in the first round. And, and, and Jimmy Butler was not the reason why they lost that series. Jimmy Butler, what he did game six was 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 spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. Bam on a bio. Kyle, Kyle Lowry was banged up all season, so I'm not going to give him the slight here. But where was your sixth man of the year, Tyler Hero? Where, where was – look, Miami is a shark tooth mentality, but, but this team was, was far, far, far outmatched compared to Boston. Boston was a much more talented team top to bottom. Miami was a good team. Boston had the talent to, to over, overpass them. That's the fact of the matter is. And, and it is a kudos to what Spolstra and, and, and what, what Pat Riley has built on them that they made to the – Cross finals, you get past Philadelphia, you get past um, 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 who uh, we played a show on the first, I don't remember. You get to these cross, anyway, you get to these cross finals the way they did. It, it is a you know, they got past Atlanta in the first round, the yeah. way they did it is is very, very confident that this team has a bright future. But at some point, like everybody knows, Jimmy Butler is a dog. I, I don't see another dog, though. I don't, you dog is them. I you think do. it's about time to put him in a coach's polo instead of having him trot out there in the warm-ups. UD, stop getting a player's paycheck. I know like, you can get more money than the league minimum than just putting a suit and tie on and becoming a coach. Just do that, buddy. That's all you need to do. Just stop, okay? And, and with this Heat team, like I said, I, I'm confident of how, of how, good they, how good they can be. But if you're, if, you're, if you're a Jimmy Butler guy and you go see Pat Riley – why would you not entertain the thought of giving him bead? Why would you not entertain it? Right? Two two of them are great friends. Philadelphia would almost never trade him to an in conference in conference team, uh, except 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 how dumb they are. Why why not? And bead was like this is why NBA Twitter is the fucking go of all Twitter. Embiid was fucking tweeting, Jimmy Butler just needs help. <laughs> During game seven, be like, Jimmy Butler just needs help. And everyone's like, oh, fuck, Embiid's going to Miami now. That's literally – he all he has to do is just tweet that out. KD is losing his mind th- that he was getting double team more than Curry was when they were playing together. Embiid is trolling, saying, I want to go play with Jimmy one more time. It's, it, 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 it's hilarious. And all, and all at the end of the joke is the Philadelphia fans are about to lose their, their next best player in franchise history. So it's okay, buddy. You'll go down to Miami and go win a ring. That's so, probably no, what will happen. Not even – you don't even have to win a ring. Go down to Miami, win an MVP. Please, please, I, for I, everybody I will, else. I'll be honest. I will like Embiid more if he plays in Miami. Me too. I, I will. I'll say, you know what? Embiid, Embiid deserves MVP. I'll say it. Embiid, Embiid deserves next year's MVP if he plays in Miami. Get him off the, out of that wretched town of Philadelphia. That's all I'll say. It's, uh, the Twitter bots were like, why are there so many t- t- profile pictures of Embiid and a mask getting deleted right now? I have no idea why this is happening. Um, Boston, though, going up against Golden State, we said matchup-wise this is probably best-case scenario for a team to try and take out the Warriors. In reality, is Boston's big three good enough to go up against Golden State and actually win this thing? Because it is kind of a big three. I know. I know. know. I'm going to say yes because of how good Boston is defensively. Because they can match up perfectly. You throw, like I said, like I, said uh, I think it was last week's episode, you could throw Tatum on one of oh, – probably on Clay. You can throw um, Marcus Smart on, on – uh, or actually, you don't even have to do that. You can throw Jalen Brown on Clay Thompson. You throw Marcus Smart on Steph Curry. And then you have Tatum wandering between, um, between, between uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins and, and Draymond Green. 
And, and I think you match up perfectly. It's the X factor is going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be Time Lord over there, Robert Williams. Robert, what are you going to get from him on night and night out? And Marcus Smart needs to produce offensively because you know what you're going to get from Tatum and Brown. Tatum and Brown are going to produce very good numbers for you. They're going to be the two best players every night for you. But it's what what your secondary unit and 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 you Udoku or Udoka or whatever how you pronounce his name Epi Udoku or whatever for for Boston the head coach. Has, has done a great job matching wise. He's going to do the exact same thing because because if there's a team that matches up defensively, we're going to say it's Boston. Now can now will Tatum and and and, and uh, Jalen Brown produce to the point where they can match Curry and Clay? That's the question because Tatum is pro- is going to have it's probably going to have uh, um, Draymond on him. They're big enough. He'll probably have Draymond on him and probably try to bully him. Draymond will bully, try to bully him around. So that's where you see if Tatum is that next guy, right? You'll see if Tatum is the guy that 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 dude uh, against Draymond because they'll probably start on the starting lineup of Kevon Looney, Draymond Wiggins, Clay, and Steph. And that's it. It matches up a lot better along those lines. And then you'll see Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, and probably Grant Grant Williams as well. Uh, and, um, and Grant Williams is going to have to be that menace too defensively. Like I said, he's probably the guy that's going to be guarding Wiggins. Probably the guy who stick on Wiggins because make sure Wiggins doesn't get any free shots in. So, like I said, Boston matches up great defensively. I am leaning towards rooting for Boston. I know this is weird because, because I, I am a little sick and tired of seeing Golden State every year, and Boston hasn't won it since 2008, and I, and I love Tatum's game. Tatum, Tatum's, Tatum's game is just so, so so smooth is the best way to put it, so smooth. And, and I like the way Marcus Smart plays the ball. I love Time Lord Robert Williams over there as well. I think they got a very good team, so I am going to go with Boston in six. It's a hot take. I'm gonna go Boston in six. I, I think Golden State wins. I, I think Golden State and Boston split the series in Golden State. I think Boston goes back. They split it again, and then I think Boston takes Game Five and takes Game Six. Takes Six at home and wins it on their home court. That's that's a bull take here. Probably 100 gonna be wrong. It's gonna be Golden State all day, but I think this Boston team can match up perfectly, unlike any other team in the NBA right now with Golden State. Honest in all in all honesty, I'm hoping that this is the most competitive series that we see the last probably couple of games. Probably will be. Let's be honest. It probably will be. As shit as in all the other series, yeah. all the other games have been. It is literally like I can't remember the last time I have not watched this this much playoff basketball. It, it, it is literally a, a shit show, and I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm, I'd rather watch the hockey game. And, and this is a guy that I have religiously watched fucking regular season basketball games for, for every every other night for the most of my life. And yeah. playoff basketball is almost must-watch. I'm going to be watching every game of the NBA Finals, so no doubt about that. But I, I skipped over a lot of those conference finals games being like, it's not worth watching because one team is going to kill the other, and by the third or fourth quarter, it's not going to be worth watching. So I'm yeah. whole, I, I think this series will be a lot closer because I do think – because I think Boston was the hottest team coming out of the regular season. And Golden State is obviously Golden State. So I, I do think right now we have two of the best teams left. But hopefully – like I said, I don't care if this series ends in four. If, if, it's, a, if it's four game winners – I will be happy, <laughs> right? I'll be happy because I'll know that it was actually competitive. <laughs> yeah, the the thing about Boston so far, every series that they've won, Jason Tatum has 
taken over at, at some point in that series. So Jason Tatum is going to take that next step. He's finally broken through and made it to the finals because Boston hadn't done that yet with Jason Tatum as their, as their star. This is going to be his chance to t- kind of move himself even further up into that spotlight. Uh, last thing before we, we kind of wrap things up here, the last thing I kind of want to talk to you about, if you're a referee in that Eastern Conference game seven, are you calling that three-pointer back? Three minutes later in the fourth quarter, I, was, I, I touched on it briefly earlier. You fucking let that shit roll. It, but at least, like I said, at least when I tweeted out, at least they're consistent. They did this all year. People forget. I was out again. I was like, why the fuck is the, the, the scoreboard wrong? And it was the first quarter. You don't change things uh, come game seven of, of the conference finals because it's game seven of the conference finals. So at least there's consist- some consistency. I've been saying it's a shit rule for, for literally the whole season. And it's a brand new rule that they go back and they fucking check this shit. But you should not be able to do that. No. You should be able to check to see if someone's foot is on the line. That's it, whether it's a two or three. If a guy accidentally steps out and your referee is blind as a goddamn bat, you let you let it go. Well, that was the, I, that was the you, thing, too. The you, initial you, video review was for whether it was a two or three. It wasn't whether or not he was in, inbounds or out of bounds. You, you don't go that it, – it's, it's the best way I can put it is – it's like in football, if if you if you if you see a roughing the passing pass a call on a defensive end, but there's a holding also, you don't not review the you don't not review the, the roughing the passer call because a holding happens. You'll change the call in the middle of the play and say, Oh, well, because this was a holder holding, it's not a roughing the passer call. You yeah. don't do that. Like that's not something any sport ever does. So it's a rule that needs to be changed. There's Definitely no doubt about that. And look, did it hurt? Did it help or hurt Miami? It hurt them. But the game, the game it, it was a, it was a, it was a four point game. That three would have made it one point, and who knows what have what would have happened. It's not like it, it, that is the X factor why Miami lost. Miami did not play well that game seven at all. It is not the reason why they lost. So, so, and they know it too. They know it too. Did, is that rule dumb? Absolutely, it is. But it's not the reason why they lost. No, they. I don't think I've heard much. There, there's not even many of the fans of, of Miami that said that was the the game deciding play or that could have totally flipped things around. It was bit, It was bad. It was a bad momentum shift, but it wasn't dire, I guess. You you are you are you are showing your inconsistency and your uh, unwillingness to, to to help your referees. You know referees are in a terrible spot, not only in basketball, but in football, but in hockey, but in yeah. baseball. You go on and on. You're, you're, you're going behind the referee's back and saying, well, y'all fucked up. Literally saying, and I quote, y'all fucked up. And said, yeah, we're going to make sure the mistake that you did three minutes ago while the clock's been running, yeah, we're going to fix that for you because you guys are incompetent. What other league does that? No one. No. no other league reviews a play three minutes after. Yes, I get it. It's the flow of the game, but no other league does that. Mm-mm. No other league. Football, you cannot go challenge a play after a play is called. Baseball, after the next play happens, you cannot go back and challenge it. Hockey, the only thing that they call back is goals, and that's and that's within a 30-second to a minute window. It is not – and that's if a goal goes in the net. That you check if a guy's offside or, or high sticking or something. 
That's that's that, that's completely different scenario than what we're basketball. We're talking about a flu in the game shot. If your referee messes up, you stick with it. There's a reason why every single referee that that ever that ever is a is a reporter or whatever on TNT or ESPN during the games don't fucking disagree with the call. Never find me a video of a referee disagreeing with the call that's called. You can't. It's not. It's it's it, it's literally written in the fucking rule book of when they when they start when they get these TV jobs. Fucking fucking Tim Peel, who's a fucking jackass, who who is a referee in St. Louis, and a guy from last year that lost his mind on Twitter, said it best. You don't fucking disagree with the call that's being called. You don't, because it's a bad look on you. It's a bad look on the league. You find a way to fucking finagle yourself to make it sound like the referee made the right call. But yeah, it doesn't matter what sport is. It's been the theme the entire playoff series, and it's embodied in the the human form of Don Koharski because he's been just an absolute train wreck with this rule analyst bullshit that he's been doing for TNT. He might have been a halfway decent ref, but he's a terrible rules analyst. And he he doesn't he he doesn't provide anything. He's just a hype man. He almost a referee hype man. (laughs) He only agrees with the call on the ice and he never wants to turn overturn anything. And it's it's just it's got to be fixed at some point, but also I don't know when it's going to get fixed. Cause it's not like you and I want to go be referees. We didn't try and get into ref. And after we stopped playing, we'd rather be coaching because I, I want to yell at the referee. I don't want to be the one getting yelled at whether I could toss you or not. I don't care. That's it's a totally different situation. And we're seeing it be about as bad as it can be right now. Hopefully it doesn't have a major effect on the final, the NBA finals and the Stanley cup playoffs as it moves forward. But who, honestly, who knows? because I'm just scrolling through Twitter right now and there's already an explosion of, of fucking hate coming from Edmonton about the, the no offsides call. And you can stop anything or shift the, anything. The and make final it look- score was eight to six. You're really crying over a goal that was three to two? Come on. Yeah, <laughs> goal that ended the first period. If, the, if, the, if that was the end of the, thir- the third period and that happened at the last three seconds or ten seconds of the third period, you have some fucking gripe. The score was eight to six. I'll find something else to cry about. Yeah, let's let's go ahead. We'll, we'll put that to bed and we'll, we'll start putting ourselves to bed. Anything else that you want to get out there before uh, game one of the NBA Finals? Uh, the one thing I want, look, we, I know we've been hammering playoffs this, playoffs that. I want to say one more thing. Nadal's a fucking god on clay again. <laughs> He's winning the French Open. He just beat Jokovic in straight sets in the semifinal. Nadal, look, death taxes and Nadal winning on clay <laughs> at the French Open. So that got that goal for him. Um, besides that, like I said, baseball is dead right now to everyone, <laughs> to literally everyone. The only reason why people go to baseball games, including myself, is <laughs> because they want to get away and just sit there and drink a beer and do something while yeah. drinking a beer because <laughs> don't look miserable and that's exactly what i've been doing so it's yeah also, just, uh, the rockies are also 11 games out of first and oh, oh I, I will say i i know people are hating on the fucking city connectors i like them i don't mind them i think they look decent i i wish the green was a little more 
green instead of like like dark green like but i don't i don't mind it i know it's a license plate i know the license plate jokes can go fucking on and on and on but i don't hate them the hat yeah. is it the hat is it i wish they had a better logo than a little fucking stamp they have on the hat because the hat with the white and the green looks clean but give me a fucking better thing than the stamp that i'm all for it but i don't mind it i'm sorry i know i'm in the minority here i don't mind it it's a lot better than the fucking all-star game jerseys last year that we got so that's all i'll say did we, you, ima- imagine what the all-star jerseys could have looked like if you did something similar to this like a mountain fucking range across the chest, and you could have fucking sold thousands of jerseys. But no, I'm still pissed about that because I, I I haven't fucking bought a jersey still from that All Star game, and I wanted to. But I was like, these jerseys are such shit. I don't want to. But I will probably buy one of those green jerseys because I, I like it. It's different. I would love to see this team incorporate green more because I because I do like the green. No team really. Use that uses that predominant green. Seattle does with that like minty green, but it's not like green green. So outside of the athletics, obviously, but but it's no one in the NL really does that. So I would love to see that a little bit. I don't hate it. Like I said, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I know I'm in the minority. I hate. I don't hate it. If you match your shitty outfielder's uniform to the color of the grass, it doesn't look like they're as bad getting to Exactly. You can't see them, right? You can't see them half the time. Except on the top angle, when you see the white on the shoulder, you look out, it just doesn't fucking look like there's anything. Maybe that's the deception, Jamie. It looks like he missed that ball by a mile. It's the the deception that it's going to win us some more games. That's going to help us. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now I know that we're we've been up too long because you're talking oh. about the Rockies being able to turn themselves around. Uh, be sure, like I mentioned at the beginning, follow at FEOTB Pod. Follow wherever you listen to your podcast. We will be back with another episode Friday talking about Game Two of the Avalanche and also Game One of the NBA Finals. So we'll have a lot more basketball talk coming up on Thursday's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Interact with us. Go back and forth. Uh, we got it. I got into it a little bit tonight while I was live tweeting the Avalanche game about the offsides call. So if you have an opinion, shoot it our way at FEOTB Pod. We'll be uh, there to entertain you. If nothing else, hopefully we entertain you. But uh, for myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host Nico Bryant, episode ninety-one of the Far End of the Bench podcast. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you Friday. Peace. This is the blues I'm playing. Yes, it's a final thing When the night is cold and lonely This is a dollar bill piece. Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them prices and I made it a habit Towing them pistols and serving them addicts